kindness. We're going to talk a little bit about kindness today. My daughter showed me kindness today. My wife left us, three children and myself. That's never a good thing. And uh, I, was, uh, I was lying down on the kid's bed, and my little daughter comes to me and says, do you want a pillow? I said, yes. Yes, I do want a pillow. Thank you. So she got me a pillow. <laughs> Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 26. There's better stories. Don't worry. It gets better. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 26. While you guys are going to it, I keep being reminded by the multimedia team to say hello to everyone here and also everyone who's listening online. Our podcasts, which haven't been updated, which we apologize for. I blame Jen. But, you know, she's sick. It's okay. She's pregnant. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 26. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, McDonald's, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. This is the word of the Lord. Over the last four weeks, we have been uh, in this series, uh, the Holy Spirit. Um, we start off with this question, who is the Holy Spirit? Right? Who is the Holy Spirit? And the answer was that he is a part of the Holy Triune God, the Holy Trinity, the three in one. The role of the Holy Spirit was to give us new life, to empower us, to refine us, to comfort us, and to guide us in our day-to-day lives and point us back to God. Week three, we looked at the idea of, of a spirit-filled life. It wasn't some kind of supernatural, super mystical kind of life idea, but it was one of simple obedience, whole obedience to God. Last week, we looked at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that the, the Holy Spirit gives to us as believers for the sake of kingdom work, for the sake of the common good. And tonight, we finish up this series with the idea of what does a Spirit-filled life produce? What does a Spirit-filled life produce? Now, it's different to what does a Spirit-filled life look like. Right? We already did that in week three, right? It's a life of obedience. But what does that life of obedience produce? Okay, and that's what we're going to look at tonight as we conclude this series. There are times in life, right? You know, there, there are times where, you know, life can be a bit gray, 
You don't know if the answer is one or two or three or four. But then there are times in life where things are just obvious. Things are just obvious. Okay? For example, like if my wife and I go to a restaurant and the waiter is bringing out a steak and a salad, okay, I'm the steak, okay, my wife's the salad, okay, it's obvious. Like waiters that get that one mixed up, they don't, oh, it's a bit harsh, but they, they should get a warning. <laughs> I was going to say lose their job, but that's a bit harsh, right? You know, there are things in life, it's like going to camp. Like, whenever I go to camp, and I've heard this before, like, is anyone a vegetarian? And they're looking at me, right? And I'm sure they're looking at me because I'm the coordinator. So they want me to tell them who the other vegetarians are in the room, right? But they're looking at me, and I've misread that going, well, no, I'm not. You know, like, obviously, I am not a vegetarian. You don't work this kind of body physique, eating vegetables, okay? I've worked very hard for this body, not with vegetables, okay? Another example of this obviousness in life is fruit trees, okay? I don't know if you guys are gardeners or anything like that. I know Pastor Sarah's like growing a forest in her backyard, you know? My dad is a big fruit tree guy, loves them. You know, every house that we've lived in, it, it, we've had fruit trees. And, and, and the thing about fruit trees is when you look at them in the winter, you've got no idea what they are because they just look like every other tree. But when it's summer or spring or when the fruit starts to blossom, that is an obvious indicator of what kind of fruit tree that is. Let me state the obvious. If you see apples off the tree, it's an apple tree. Yeah, I know some of you are like, what? Apples come from trees? They don't come from the fruit market? You know, like, you know, if you see oranges on a tree, I'm telling you, it's an orange tree. Okay? I could keep, go- keep going, right? Lemons, lemon tree. Mandarins, mandarin tree. Onions don't grow on trees. Ah, just making sure. <laughs> Our lives can also be known as a very obvious example of of what is meant to be. The Bible tells us, right? The Bible tells us that we reap what we sow. We reap what we sow, meaning that what we invest into, what we consider important, what we follow in our hearts, that will be obvious in the way that we live our lives, in the way that our lives play out. And that's what the passage says today. Verse 16, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. See, if one person is is living for the Spirit, which is talking about the Spirit of God, talking about the Holy Spirit, if you're living in instead, uh, the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, then you will not live for the desires of the flesh. And that's what it's saying. The, The writer of the passage tells us there are two choices that we have in our lives in terms of the way that we want to live them. Okay, one is the desires of the flesh. Okay, now the desires of the flesh, it's to put it really simply, it's a life that lives 
for me and what I want and how I feel. Okay? It's just all about me. And then the opposite side that the Bible tells us is that we can live for the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. Which, which means that, that it's all not about me, but it's about God. The whole Bible, right? The whole Bible gives us that choice. Every single human has this choice. Live for God. Live for yourself. And every single human person in the history of humanity has had to answer this question for themselves. Who will I live for today? Who will I choose today? And then the consequences of that, you'll see in eternity. You live for God, then, then, then God will roll out the red carpet for you for eternity. And we call that heaven. You choose to reject God and live for yourself. Well, God will say, fine, you can live for yourself for the rest of eternity without me. And that is called hell. Who will you choose? Who will you choose, right? So you got the desires of the flesh, living for yourself, and you got the desires of the Spirit, living for God. Okay, now the Bible tells us what the desires of the flesh look like. Verses 19 to 21 gives us a very extensive list of what a flesh-filled life, flesh-filled life looks like. Verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious, obvious, even without that list, right? Even without that list, you could have given me a list. Right? Why? Because it's obvious. Obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, and the like. You could add that. You could add whatever you want to that list, right? Anything that is for me, anything that, that is for my own good, my own self, anything against God is in that list. But for Christians, for Christians, meaning people who have the Holy Spirit well and alive inside of them, we don't live for the desires of our flesh, but we live for the desires of the Spirit. We are led by the Spirit. We are to, to walk by the Spirit. And as we are led by the Spirit, our lives are filled, uh, are filled with the fruit of the Spirit. And that's what verse 22 to 23 says. It's a famous verse, right? And, and you know what? Tonight, instead of going specifically into what the desires of the flesh are, because you know what? I don't need to explain that to you. You just have to look at your own life and the brokenness around, okay? But I want to show you what these fruits are, okay? Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such a thing, there is no law. When we live by the Spirit, meaning when the Holy Spirit, when we acknowledge God in our lives and when the Holy Spirit is alive in us, then these are the fruits that should be obvious and evident in each and every one of our lives. And I want to explain each of these fruits, right? I know that, you know, we, we can talk about these very generically, but I want to I touch on each and every one of these fruits, and I want to give you three things. I want to give you a definition. I want to give you an opposite, okay, of, of what is not that fruit. And, I, and thirdly, I want to give you uh, what is called a counterfeit. It's a fake fruit, okay? It's a, it, people think that that's the fruit, but it's actually a fake, 
Okay? I'd love to say that I'm really smart and I made this all up okay, by myself, but I didn't. I got it from my friend. Uh, his name is Tim Keller. Got a <laughs> He's got a church uh, in, the, in, in New York. Uh, thanks, Tim, uh, for this. Older brother, Tim. All right, here we go. So number one, love. Okay? To serve a person for their good and intrinsic value, not for what the person brings to you. Right? To love someone means to not want something back. It's to do something for them, not because you're going to get something back, but just because of them. Right? What's the opposite? Selfishness, fear, self-protection, abuse. Right? Not loving and not, not serving them, but abusing them. Okay? That's the opposite. Right? Now, check this. Counterfeit. Counterfeit. So this is counterfeit, meaning people will call this love, but it's not really love, right? Selfish affection. Rescuing someone, but really rescuing self. Attracted not to a person, but how this person's love makes you feel about yourself. Right? Serving someone to feel good about yourself. Right? Giving to world vision. Not because you care about the children, not because you care about poverty, but hey guys, look at me. Giving to world vision. Look how charitable I am. Look how loving I am. All right? That's not real love. That's a fake love. Okay? Now, remember, these are the fruits of the Spirit. These are the fruits of the Holy Spirit. This, these are things that the, the people with love, uh, with the Holy Spirit inside of them, will display in their life. Not the opposite of love, not the counterfeit fake love, but the real love. Okay? Two, joy. Where's Joy? Hi, Joy. Joy's not. Hey, Joy. Delight in God. Woo! And His salvation for sheer beauty and worth of who He is. And what's the opposite to that? Hopelessness. Hopelessness and despair. Okay? Joy is not happiness. Joy, happiness is circumstantial. You know, something good happens to me. Woo! I'm happy. No, joy goes beyond that. Joy, joy. there's a deep satisfaction, says, I'm fantastic, not because of what's happening around me, but because who God is and what God has done for me, right? Goes beyond our own day-to-day stuff, right? What's the counterfeit? Elation that comes with blessing, not the blesser. Mood swings. Mood swings. And temporary joy based on situation, and it's just surface level, Right? An example of that is, you know, people come to church, right? Or the best one, church camp. People go to church camp, experience God. Woo! Love, love the Lord. Woo! Everything's fantastic. Woo! And then like three days later, they go home. They've got an assignment that's due and, the, and the, you know, the marker's not giving them, a, you know, an extension or you have to go back to work and that sucks. And, you know, it's like, oh, there's the, you know, that was a real joy. That's counterfeit joy. Circumstantial joy. That's not real joy. Okay? Fake joy. Here we go. Peace. Peace. Greek word for peace is Irene. That, that's where the name Irene comes from. Okay. Definition of peace is this. Confidence and rest in the wisdom and sovereignty of God more than your own. Whew. What's the opposite? Anxiety and worry. You know what the opposite of, of peace is to that definition? If peace is the confidence and rest in the wisdom and sovereignty of God more than your own, the opposite to peace, which is like chaos, right, is to trust yourself. 
How many times have you trusted yourself thinking that you can deal with this and it's just chaos? Right? That's what it is. Right? What's the counterfeit? What's the fake piece? Indifference. Oh, I don't care. Eh, who cares? Whatever. I'm at peace with it. No, you're not at peace with it. You don't really care about it. Our generation is really bad at this one. We think that, yeah, Seebs is exactly what the counterfeit of peace is. Seebs is not peaceful. Seebs means can't be bothered. If you didn't know that for the younger generation, they just thought that that was a real word. Idiots. No jokes. Peace. Peace. But indifference is not peace. Not caring is not Oh, I'm at peace. No, you just don't care. That's not real peace. Real peace is confidence and rest in the wisdom and sovereignty of God. Okay? Four, patience or forbearance. The ability to take trouble, I love this, from others or life without blowing. Right? Like blowing up or blowing it. Right? To suffer joyfully. Right? Patience. To just hang on. During, you know, do you, do you know, have you ever noticed you never need patience when lo- life is going well? When life's going fantastic, you're like, oh man, I'm, I'm just learning to be patient with this fantastic life that I've got, you know? <laughs> you only need patience when there's suffering around. You only need patience when things aren't going well. But that's what it is. It's to hold on during that time. Okay, what's the opposite? Resentment toward God and others. Right? Anger. Why is this happening to me? Why me? Why is that person to me? Why is he, you know, being nasty to me? Why do I have this job? God, why do you not help me? That's not being patient. That's just being angry, right? Not accepting the situation that you're in. Now, here's the counterfeit. Self-righteousness and cynicism. Okay? Cynicism is a big word. (laughs) Cynicism is to be overly critical in your situation right? Suffering's happening, you know? Bad things are happening. You're like, oh man, this always happens to me. It always happens to people like me. Why does it always just happen to people like me? And we think, oh, I'm just going to, you know, get through this because, you know, I'm just that kind of a person, you know, like I'm better than, you know, I'm better than other people. I can deal with this. No, no, no. You're self-righteous. You're being critical and cynical. Okay, That's not patience. You're grumbling the whole way. That's not patience. Okay? The ability to take trouble without blowing. Five, kindness. Practical kindness with vulnerability out of deep inner security. Out of deep inner security. The the opposite to, 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 to kindness is envy, unable to rejoice others' joy. We think kindness, okay, we, we think kindness of acts of kindness right? We think it's an act of kindness. You do something nice for that person, and that's an act of kindness. But actually, without the heart of kindness, without the heart of kindness, it might not actually be kindness, right? Because the counterfeit, the fake kindness is manipulative good deeds. Doing good deeds, not just for the deed itself, but for people to see you. That's fake kindness, right? Similar to the World Vision story, right? You know? It's like, hey, 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 I'm helping this person out. Hey, hey, take a selfie. Take, take a selfie. 
You know, on mission trips, happens all the time, right? And, and we, we deal with this in our short-term mission trips, like taking photos with the kids. Hey, guys, take a photo. Look, look, at, look at all the good stuff we're doing. Take photos so we can take videos and show everyone back at home. Look how good I am. That's not real kindness. That's fake. That's, you're doing that for yourself. Hmm? Six, goodness. Another word for goodness is integrity. Honest, transparency, being the same in one situation as another. Okay, it's not just being good. Okay, being good is another word of integrity. Okay, being the same. Okay, the opposite to being good is what? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, right? You come to church and you're like, everyone, we need to be generous, you know? And then, and then, and then, you know, you, you don't open your wallet. That's hypocrisy. That's not integrity. Okay? What's the counterfeit? Truth without love. Getting it off your chest, not because you love the other person, but just because you want to get it off your chest. Okay? And that's what Tim tells us is the fake integrity. Okay? Number seven, faithfulness. Okay? Definition, loyalty. To be principle-driven, committed, utterly reliable. Utterly reliable. True to one's word. The dictionary calls it maintaining allegiance constant. Maintaining allegiance and constant. What's the opposite to faithfulness? Opportunistic. What's that mean? It means taking advantage of someone around you because you can get something out of it. Okay? What's the counterfeit of faithfulness? It's the opposite to goodness. It's love without truth. Okay, being loyal when you should be willing to confront or challenge just because you don't want to look bad or just because you don't want to lose a friend. Okay, that's not being faithful. Okay, that's not, that's not being loyal. You're, you're faking it. You're faking faithfulness. Eight, gentleness. This is my favorite. Humble and patient. Sounds just like me. Servant-like submission to God and others. Freedom from pride or arrogance. That's what I'm going to put on my tombstone. Just without the freedom part. What's the opposite to gentleness? Superiority, self-absorption, arrogance. Right? Another word for gentleness is humility or meekness. The Bible uses the word meekness. And, and we kind of think as soon as we go meekness, it sounds like weakness. So it must be weakness or it must be like something soft. It's not like that. It's just being gentle. It's being humble. Now, what's the counterfeit? False humility. You guys know what false humility is? Uh, some of you guys won't know this because you're really humble. Uh, not me. I know this real well. Um, it's like walking on going, man, I'm the most humble person in the world. Woo! So humble. So humble. Look at me compared to that person. Look at, look at me. So humble. You know, that's false humility. What you're doing is you're not putting yourself down. You're actually exalting yourself. You're actually putting other people down and exalting yourself. You know what the other one is? Putting yourself down so much that it becomes an idol. You know, uh, people can call it victim mentality, woe to me mentality. Oh, look at me. My wife's so, my life's so bad. Not my wife's so bad. My life's so bad. It could be my wife's so bad, depending on, you know, your, your marriage. Not my marriage, but, you know. <laughs> you know, it's like, whoa, woe to me. Oh, your, your life's not as hard as mine. Oh, 
you know, when people say that, when, especially when you're sharing prayer, prayer points, it's like you have to beat each other in the prayer point of how, how wretched your life is. Oh, you know, I was really struggling. Oh, yeah, man, I was struggling with that last week. Man, I got even worse stuff this week. I, I'm struggling with depression. Oh, man, depression. Man, I got depression and a rash. You know, like, you know, like oh, man, I got depression and a rash, and I got to go to work tomorrow. You know, it's like, you know, who, who can outdo each other? That's not, that's not humility. That's false humility, right? That's the fake humility. That's fake gentleness, okay? Final, self-control. Moderation or self-restraint in action or statement. I'm going to confess my sin right to you. Last night, I was having dinner with one of our board members. And uh, I don't know what happened, but self-control went out the window. And uh, I'm just going to confess my sin. McDonald's have the 24 nuggets for $10, and we smashed it with... People might be thinking, 24 nuggets, $10, you know, you're a big boy, you can eat that. Yes. And if that's the only thing we ate, that wouldn't be a sin. <laughs> it's because we had KFC with it, because we wanted some variety, you know? Like, man, self-control, right? Whew. You know, self-control is a hard one, right? And I said, I, I look at myself and self-control, you know, obviously not, not self-control, that's, that's me. You know, especially like when I play sport. My wife, after we got married, she came and watched me play volleyball. Volleyball is my sport. I know it's amazing how this body can get off the ground, right? But Mel, she watched me play sport and she was like, oh my God, he's just a different person. And I have to admit, I'm a little bit competitive. <laughs> I am known to argue with umpires and the other team and sometimes even my own team. You know, I'll argue with anyone on the sports field. I'm just, you know, and I just sometimes lose it. All right, let me define it, right? Moderation or self-restraint in action or statement. What's the opposite? A driven, impulsive, uncontrolled person. <laughs> hey, but I know you're laughing, but I know that, you know, that's nervous laughter because that's you too. <laughs> What's the counterfeit of this one? What's the fake self-control? Willpower through pride. Right? Willpower through pride, meaning you are controlled, you're self-controlled, not because you're being self-controlled, but because you want to show that other person that you are self-controlled. I am better than you at being self-controlled. I could do this. That's fake self-control. That's just pride. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control, all the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And every single sermon you hear about this, this is the question, is this fruit evident and obvious in your life? Right? That's the question. That's the question. Right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gent gentleness, and self-control. How many of these can we tick off and go, I've, ex I've, ex I've experienced that this week. Bam! Tick, 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 ten, 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 you know? <laughs> you know, like, uh, let's be honest. When we read out that list, you don't feel good about yourself because there's so much of that in your life. You feel horrible about yourself because there's not much of that in your life. Isn't that the truth? 
Isn't that the truth, right? And how many times have we walked out of a sermon not feeling good about ourselves, but feeling horrible about ourselves because we didn't, we're like, oh my God, if God is meant to live inside of me and the Holy Spirit is meant to be inside of me, then why don't I have any of these fruits? Why, why, why isn't this a story of my life? Why isn't this obvious? See, a lot of sermons in this, in, on this passage will finish at that point right? And, and the thing about this is, you know what, I, 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 I'll confess again. I've preached a few of these sermons on this passage, right? And that's where I've landed. And my encouragement is, go do those. Amen. Let's pray. Right? But I want us to go back into the passage, and I want to show you something, and I'll be completely honest, it's the first time I've seen it, right? And it's not because I'm a genius and I've seen it. I just feel like the Holy Spirit's just shown me something that I've never seen before. And that's the beauty of the Bible. You can read it over and over and over again, but the Holy Spirit just shows us new things, right? See, the default in our humanity, the, the default between you and I is to not have the Holy Spirit in us, right? We're spiritually dead beings, right? And, and the, so, so the, the, the decision that we make every morning is that we choose self. We choose our own desires. We choose our flesh, Right? And that's why in verse 19, when it describes the obvious life of the flesh, it reads this. The acts of the flesh are obvious, right? This is what you and I do. Oh, nearly. Keep that. This is what you and I do. This is what we choose when we don't choose the Holy Spirit. We act, right? We do something, right? It's us. It's us doing it. Now, Go to the life of the Holy Spirit, a Spirit-filled life, a life in the Spirit and the obvious fruits that I mentioned, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, okay? The acts of the flesh and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, okay? I want to correct a lie that you may have heard while you're growing up. You might have even heard it from my own mouth. And I want to correct, correct this lie We cannot, on our own, create any of these fruits. You and I, on the best of our days, we cannot create any of the fruits. Why? Because they are the fruits of the Spirit, not the fruits of man. What do we have? the acts of flesh. That's, that's all we got. That's all what we do. But the fruit is from the Holy Spirit. This is why it's not called the fruits of the good works or the results of good morals. The fruit of the Spirit that we have access to doesn't come from us. It doesn't come from within us. We don't suddenly become like really good and holy people. And we start producing these obvious fruits. It only comes when we invite the Holy Spirit to not just dwell in our lives, but to take over our lives. See, the aim of this passage is not to guilt trip people into going and trying to live a life that aims to put up these fruit fruit fronts. Can we get the slide with the fruits on them? I want you to see it. The aim of our lives, friends, 
is to not wake up and go, okay, how can I be loving? How can I be joyful? How can I show peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self That's not what you wake up with. The aim of our lives is to go, how can I walk in the Spirit of God? And then allow the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to do this inside of us. See, it's only when the essence of the tree completely changes that the fruit will naturally and obviously be produced. You can't get apples from an orange tree and you can't get oranges from an apple tree. They're either counterfeits or it's just a lie. Only when the whole tree changes can the fruit change. And it's in the, in the same way, it's only when our essence from being transformed from death to life, from, from dead to living, from living in our flesh to living by the Spirit, that the power of the Holy Spirit regenerates new life in us, gives us new life from spiritual death to spiritual life. And as the Holy Spirit moves, the fruit will come. Friends, tonight I don't want you to go home and start trying to create this amazing fruit in your life. And the fruit is amazing. Can I tell you? Can, can, can we get the list of the fruit up? <laughs> can I tell you, if we have this in our lives, you know how amazing our lives would be? Not just for ourselves, but for the people around us. The fruits of the Spirit are amazing. They're fantastic. But can I also tell you that without God, you can do none of this. You know, we think that, oh, you know, even Christian, non-Christians can be loving or be joyful. Or pe- can they? Not really. Only by the aid of the Holy Spirit do we even have glimpse of the, glimpses of this in our life. And I'm pleading you, with you tonight, don't go and try to create this on your own. I said, the aim tonight, and get, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I'm, I'm beating the same drum, right? Do not go home and think, okay, I need to be more loving. I need to be more joyful. No, you need to go home and you need to ask yourself, am I living by the Spirit of God? And am I allowing the Holy Spirit to work in my life? to create these things in my life. The acts of the flesh we can do on our own, but the fruits of the Spirit must come from Him. The work of the Holy Spirit is not to make you a better person or alter your behavior from bad to good. The work of the Holy Spirit is to come and make you from dead to a life. This is the work of God. This is the work of God. God did not come, send His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so that you can pocket some of these out. No, He came to give you a life so that some of this can be produced through your life. Let me wrap up the whole series. The Holy Spirit is God. 
whether we understand the ins and outs of the Holy Spirit is irrelevant to what the truth, the biblical truth of the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is part of the triune God. Three in one. Three persons, one essence. The Holy Spirit, the the main job of the Holy Spirit is to regenerate new life inside of us, regenerate spiritual life inside of us every day so that we can turn back to God and to live for God the desire of our heart. And we receive this new life not because you do anything to impress God or the Holy Spirit. It's not like we wake up and go, you know, I've done this, this, this. Okay, Holy Spirit, I reckon I receive this much new life. No, you receive new life because it's grace. You don't deserve any of this. Let's just leave it on that page, hey? You don't deserve any of this in your life. But it's the grace of God. Pure grace of God. The work of the Holy Spirit. None of us. None of what's inside of us. It's all from Him. It's all from Him. And as I said, whether we understand the Holy Spirit or not, the Holy Spirit is amazing. We should desire Him and everything that He has to give to us. The Holy Spirit aligns our hearts and desires with God's and helps us to live surrendered lives of obedience. The Holy Spirit gives us amazing gifts for us to use to further the kingdom of God and and to use for the local community and continues to mold and change our character, transform our hearts to create more of this when what we want to really do is want to create more destruction. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Molds our character so that we can experience the fullness of who God is. You know, tonight, as I said, I, I don't want you guys to go home and go, okay, I need to be more loving today. How can, be, how can I be more loving? How can I experience more patience in my life? How can, I, how can I be more faithful? How can I be more kind or good? Or how can I be more self-controlled? Can I tell you, if you walk out with that in mind, you will fail and fail bad once again. Because once again, you're trying to do it for yourself. This is the work of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone. What I'm asking you tonight is this. Will you make space? Will you make space in your life for the Holy Spirit to not just exist, not just to dwell, but to move? To move. Will you allow God more space in your life. You know what the problem is? The problem with us is this. We go, oh yeah, Holy Spirit's fantastic, right? Oh, those gifts are fantastic. These fruits are fantastic. And yet we give no space in our life for God. You know why? Because we're still trying to do it ourselves. We're still trying to accomplish all of this ourselves. We're still trying to be good ourselves. We're still trying to be loving ourselves. And I'm telling you tonight, surrender what you have in your hands. Surrender that. Give that space to God. Allow the Holy Spirit to move. Whether you understand how He moves or not is irrelevant because He's real and He moves. And when you let Him, when you let Him move, then this, it will come.
This will come. Don't worry. Don't worry about this. Our problem is not that this does not exist. Our problem is that we don't give enough space for the Holy Spirit in our lives to make this happen. We're still trying to control this ourselves. Tonight, as we finish this series, I want to not just listen and and hear about the Holy Spirit, but I want us to uh, example that. I want us to live that out. And I want to have some time of prayer. And I'm going to ask the team to come back up. And we're going to sing the song, Come Holy Spirit. It took five weeks. I, I would have thought it would have come first week, but that's okay. <laughs> the application of tonight's sermon is not to go do good things. The application of the sermon tonight is to make space for the Holy Spirit. Make space for God. And it's not like, and I'm really hoping that I've gotten this point across. The Holy Spirit is not some super mystical, mysterious thing that we can't understand. No, it's not. It's a part of who God is, of what God does. And I know that the biggest boundary to all of this, the gifts, the fruits, living a spirit-filled life of obedience, is not what you do. It's what you allow. It's what you allow in your heart. So we're going to sing this song, Come Holy Spirit, not because the Holy Spirit isn't already here, but to encourage you to make space for God through His Spirit in your life. Just make some space. And then what we're going to do is after we sing this song, we're going to pray, right? But we're not going to say anything. And you're not going to ask God for anything. You're just going to make space to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to minister to you. Oh, this series on the Holy Spirit has been so transformational for me. The biggest thing for me personally to get out of it is this, man, I really don't have anything good to do or to give. I really have to trust God in this. And I think this is a confession that we all need to make. Whatever stage of life we're in, whatever you're going through right now, can we stand?